Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Sorgat Deus disipentur de nemici eius, et fugiancio derundeum a face eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. <laughs> so, a really interesting headline. Theme for 2024 World Communication Day, Artificial Intelligence. This headline is from Vatican News. The subheadline: Pope Francis has chosen artificial intelligence and wisdom of the heart for a fully human communication as the theme for World Communication Day of 2024. You know, I didn't have this block on my 2000 on my 21st century apocalyptic bingo card, and I feel like I should have. It's an oversight on my part. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangela, defende nos in Proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias, diaboli est opraecidium. Imperatili Deus, supplicas de precamur, tuque princeps militae calestis, saltada aliosque spiritus malignos, quiat perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum netrude. Amen. Cor Jesus Sacratissimum Miserere Nobis, Mater Dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Beatus Carolus Domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Saint Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Domine, ostende facem tuum et salvierimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. I did not have... Pope Francis and artificial intelligence coming together in one snippet 
on my bingo card. I had AI on its own. Um, I had AI even as the beast. I did not have AI paired with the papacy. I did not anticipate Francis to make this move. And I really feel like I should have, given all the other, like, legitimately, given all of the other things, I really should have had this one on my bingo card. Let me go ahead and read to you from the article, and then we'll have a little bit of a talk about why I should have had this, this, on my bingo card. From the article by Vatican News. Artificial intelligence and wisdom of the heart for a fully human communication is the theme chosen by Pope Francis for the 58th World Communication Day, which will be observed in 2024. A note from the Holy See Press Office announcing the theme observed that the evolution of artificial intelligence systems makes it ever more natural to communicate through and with machines, so that, is, so that it has become increasingly difficult to distinguish computation from thought and the language produced by a machine from that generated by human beings. The statement continues, Like all revolutions... And he loves his revolutions, doesn't he? This one, based on artificial intelligence, too, poses new challenges to ensure that machines do not contribute to a large-scale system of disinformation and do not also increase the loneliness of those who are already alone, depriving us of the warmth that only communication between people can provide. It is important to guide artificial intelligence and algorithms so that there is in each individual a responsible awareness of the use and development of these different forms of communication that go hand in hand with social media and the internet. It is necessary for communication to be oriented towards a fuller life of the human person. Huh. <laughs> So, here's why I should have had AI and the Vatican together in a box on my bingo card. I shouldn't have soda, but I'm having soda. Coca-Cola to be precise. It's been a very long time since I've had a Coca-Cola, and it's nice to enjoy. By the way, for those of you who are wondering, well, is it going to make you fat? No, it's not about because it makes you fat. It's because it actually, I end up feeling more thirsty at the end of it. And so it doesn't really matter how refreshing it tastes. In about 30 minutes, I'm going to be dying for more, for something more to drink. That's why I shouldn't have soda. It's not really a diet thing or anything like that. <clears throat> so I should have had artificial intelligence in the box with the Vatican, specifically for this reason. If you've, if you've listened to this podcast long enough, then you've heard me talk about how I'm reasonably certain that... The image of the beast, in either its precursor form or its final form, specifically has to do with television. <clears throat> we spend more time in front of our screens, more so now that they're computer screens, 
um, you know, now that you have the computer and the television screen. We now spend more time in front of our screens than St. Teresa of Avila spent in front of the Blessed Sacrament or at prayer. Think about that for just a moment. Let that settle into your noodle. You spend more time in front of a television screen, more likely, a television screen or a computer screen, and your phones count, people, than St. Teresa of Avila spent in prayer. And she wrote the book on prayer. Well, she wrote a very good book on prayer. Think about that. And we've known that AI, in fact, I did a whole episode. There was an episode that I talked about AI-generated porn. Not really porn porn, but like um, thoughts. <clears throat> internet internet hoes. Not necessarily porn porn in the more common parlance, but in the uh, thirst trap sense. In the Oh, I'm going to pay, you know, whatever to buy tokens for this for this woman who looks really really good and is on TikTok doing, you know, whatever whatever it is. Take your pick. There's a bunch of that crap all over all over social media. But it came out last month month before that AI is beginning to corner the market. Because AI knows exactly what to say to a guy to get him to open his wallet. And so it became very distinctively possible that some dude with an AI software program has a literal bot account for this AI thought and is making oodles and oodles of money from a computer program, from artificial intelligence. Now, I tracked that, and I've been tracking, I mean, I've done, you've probably heard recently, a lot of top, a lot of podcasts where I dip into the book, you know, to St. John's Apocalypse, and start talking about specific topics as they relate there, and one of the topics I did had to do with AI and video and television screens, because now we're getting to the point where the machine can create the image and communicate and talk and actually generate all of its dialogue or its soliloquy, typically dialogue, can actually generate dialogue in direct conversations with people. There's AI on Snapchat, which is one of the, like, if your your kids have a smartphone, you're a moron, okay? (laughs) If they have Snapchat on their phone, you're a bigger moron. Because that AI thought could be in your kid's Snapchat, one of your kid's Snapchat friends, and they have no way to tell that it's not human. That's how far AI has gotten. Now, maybe there'll be some glitches here and there, but I'm going to tell you right now, we're at that point... (laughs) where AI can pretty much operate in conversation on its own. I think part of the reason 
why I didn't think that the Pope was going to have anything to do with artificial intelligence is because he's old as... He's old. He's a boomer. He about to die. Like, <laughs> I don't think it... Like, <laughs> I'm not wishing it on him. At least I'm not wishing it on him before his conversion. <clears throat> but let's be real. He's old. He gets around with a walker now. I see I see pictures of him when he's walking around. I see him more and more now with with his walker or in a wheelchair. He is actually getting decrepit and he wasn't exactly a spring chicken when he went in and I mean he's al he's already had some serious health problems before he got into into the Vatican. <clears throat> so I don't mean it in a oh, I hope he dies kind of manner, it's simply stating fact. He's going to die soon. Like, that's just... It's what happens when you're crusty. I mean, for crying out loud, I think he's what? He's a little older than Joe Biden? He's old. <clears throat> so I did not expect him to... I did not expect him or anybody around him, because they're all a bunch of boomers... <clears throat> I didn't expect him or anybody around him to be really paying that close attention to artificial intelligence. The next piece is, apparently we've had a World Communication Day for 58 years, and this is the first I'm hearing about it. I don't ever remember hearing about a World Communication Day. Do they have, like, a day at the Vatican for everything? Seriously. <clears throat> I'm coming to the point where I'm starting to think I would not be I'm now I won't be surprised if there's a world wheat grass for your health day. Cuz Lord knows they got a world climate change day. They got like they got all the other stuff. It it it's remarkable to me. I didn't th I didn't even know there was such a thing as a world communication day. And having AI be kind of a key feature. <laughs> I love this. Artificial intelligence and wisdom of the heart for a fully human communication. What kind of claptrap is that? Huh. Anyway, gracious. So I shouldn't be surprised. I certainly, like in this article, I'm not, I wasn't surprised to see the word revolution. <laughs> when he said, like all revolutions, this one, this one based on artificial intelligence, too, poses new challenges to ensure the machines do not contribute to a large-scale system of disinformation and do not also increase the loneliness of those who are already alone, depriving us of the warmth that only communication between people can provide. Everybody who's headed in that direction... They are so going to be unprepared for when the Antichrist is is actually here. And to be sure, I, I don't believe Antichrist has entered the scene. Like, he's probably on the earth now. He would have to be. But I don't believe he's ready to enter the scene for a good little bit. And everybody who's headed down this path with AI... <clears throat> They're going to be not ready at all.
all of the guys who are spending tens of thousands of dollars on Instagram models that are AI generated. The kids who are having Snapchat conversations with the AI on that platform, they're not going to be ready. I was watching Blade Runner this last week. And more than that, I was actually, I was watching a documentary, or excuse me, a commentary on Blade Runner. There are some features that I don't think anybody realizes is actually going on in that movie. In the homes of all the characters who we actually get to see where they live. They're isolated. Their apartments, not dirty, but very cluttered, chock full of stuff. J.F. Sebastian, um, one of the characters that the replicants in Blade Runner, by the way, if you haven't seen Blade Runner, um, you're probably not going to be able to track on some of this. I'm not going to go too deep into it. I mean, the movie is 40 years old. So I really shouldn't have to go, like... By now, a lot of you should have seen it. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. J.F. Sebastian, one of the bigger supporting characters in the film, has a very large apartment. I think he's got, like, most of a floor... His apartment's very, very, very cluttered. Lots of stuff. He even says in the movie, I make friends. I I build my own... I'm a genetic designer, and so I build my own friends. Toys that walk around the house and you can have... You can talk to. Deckard, the Blade Runner, the Blade Runner, like the guy who is the Blade Runner. His apartment, not very large, but lots of stuff. The shelves have items, next to items, behind items, in front of items. almost like a neat hoarder like somebody who keeps everything and manages to put them on display like everything in his apartment has a place and it's in its place but there's a lot of stuff it's a very crowded feel it actually happens I'm like I'm a little bit preferential to the to the to the uh, to the style But it says something about a person. And the fact that all of the main characters, because even even Eldon Tyrell, who is the you know, the, the guy in charge of the Tyrell Corporation that makes the androids, the the replicants, he's got this large, opulent domicile. And I mean it is huge. 
and even it is chock full of stuff. He's got a large, luxurious bed, and he's got end tables, and there's a bunch of stuff on the end tables, and there's a couple of little tables in, like, and places to sit in this bedroom, and it's a huge bedroom, but there's stuff everywhere. And it's nice stuff. It's the sort of stuff that a wealthy person would have. In the movie, when when you see people, it's clusters and mobs of people all walking around by themselves. When you go to the bar, there's a few people talking here and there, and it's very crowded, but it's also very isolated feeling. And that's kind of the theme in there. So, <clears throat> Ridley Scott, when he was making the movie, he had just lost his brother. His brother had just passed away. And that emotional impact actually comes out. Like, the way he felt really comes out in the movie. But it expresses itself. Um, well, one, the whole movie is filmed in the dark, in the rain. The sets are, you know, they feel claustrophobic. They're actually standard Hollywood sets, but they feel claustrophobic. He actually took standard sets, like the sets that are everywhere, and movies, and men, and like places where movies have been made again and again, um, recognize like normally recognizable locations, and he manages to put it together in a way that it's absolutely not recognizable. But you've got this San Francisco, Los Angeles, San Diego metroplex that runs as far as the eye can see, and it's all hyper-urban and claustrophobic and towers and industry and commercial and this, that, and the other. And there's and it's just, like, it's big and expansive, but it's also tight and claustrophobic. And he manages to put that in place in the whole movie. He illustrates, you know, when you make a phone call in the movie, you're talking to somebody face-to-face. -face. It's like FaceTime. And you make the phone call from your home, and you're face-to-face -face with whoever it is that you're talking to. Or you make the phone call from a phone booth or whatever, because in, in that movie there were still phone booths, because we still actually had phone booths in real life when that movie was made. <clears throat> and all of the interpersonal connections, it's people manipulating each other. Trying to get the things that they want. Very dehumanizing. But mostly one of the, like, I mean, you're talking, The Blade Runner is a legendary movie. It is a movie of all times. Yes, it's set in 2019, which actually makes it more prescient. So it's set in 2019. And while the topography is different, because Los Angeles isn't a giant metroplex between San Francisco and San Diego. Like, it's not one giant metroplex all the way across, all the way up the West Coast.
but it's 2019 and we have FaceTime. And so you make a phone call and you can actually talk to somebody face to face. I can make a, um, as long as the person I'm talking to has a camera on their phone, I can make a video call with anybody I want, FaceTime or not. It's how my phone's, it's how my phone's set up and chances are, it's how your phone's set up too. It's wild. Because it came a couple of years late, but thanks to COVID. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Thanks to COVID, that's where we're at. I read a post on Twitter the other day. It said fourteen excuse me, forty-five percent of men aged eighteen to twenty-six have never approached a woman. Forty-five percent of men aged 18 to 26 have never approached a woman. This is speaking in romantic terms. So sure, they've talked to girls. But 45% of men haven't ever approached a woman. That means they've never asked a woman face to face. That means their first contact was on an app like Tinder. 
or Bumble or whatever. That means their first contact with a woman was actually, for that age group, their first contact with a woman was probably on Snapchat or something similar. Think about that. Almost half. Almost half of men have never approached a woman face to face. The number is staggering. You know, I, I look at it like I almost can't believe the number, except that I can because we have dating apps. We have apps like Snapchat. We have social media where you might talk to a girl and get romantic in a real way. In a it, like in a legitimately fornicative way, before you ever meet them face to face, and that was common ten years ago. bewildering. There's a part of me that says that the Pope is right. We have to make sure that these devices don't contribute to an increase in the loneliness of the people who are already alone. He's absolutely right about that. The disinformation thing is, you know, it's it's a it's a current thing buzzword, and so I kind of I saw that and I'm like whatever. <clears throat> Large scale system of disinformation. He's right about that also, though. AI can deepfake. In fact, AI can deepfake better than deepfake. That's really important. It's important to know and understand. AI can do a deep fake. Like AI could conceivably deep fake this podcast. Kind of, ugh, kind of scary. Because <clears throat> it used to be that AI couldn't do the voice. They can do the voice now. They've been able to do the face. I mean, the deep fake stuff. They've been able to do that. In fact, entertainingly, one of my favorite pod, one of my favorite podcast shows, um, or one of my favorite live streams, is the Rundown, and the intro is all deepfake of the four hosts. You know, it's got RTF Mike, his face plastered over Pierce Brosnan's face as 007. It's got um, <clears throat> Father Martin, Father Martin Navarro. As <clears throat> deep faked over what is it, Jude Law, who played the Pope? 
and the Netflix show. It's also got it's also got him deep faked over uh, what's his face Antonio Banderas and Desperado. It's got James deep faked over I think it was Danny Glover. I think I don't I don't remember the shows. Like, it's kind of a big deal now. AI can actually do the deepfake. They can take all of the... Because all they got to do is they just take the images and the videos that you've put on social media and AI can build your face and then take the recordings that the NSA has gotten from your phone calls and it can mimic your voice... An AI can create a video of you saying whatever it wants to. Joe Biden, actually, there was a deep fake video, I think, with Joe Biden, what, two, three weeks ago? Didn't get a lot of press. <clears throat> the misinformation aspect of it is kind of important. So it is kind of a big deal. I wish, in all honesty, I wish I would have had this on my on my bingo card. <clears throat> I'd feel a lot less stupid. But, I mean, what do, uh, what do you want? I'm a mechanic. It's not like I can predict everything. Can hardly predict. I don't even know what I'm going to have for breakfast tomorrow. And it's going to be my breakfast. For those who are already detached, we're going to have a heck of a time here soon. There's a whole point behind this whole discussion talking about what AI can actually do. It's putting a lot of writers out of jobs, or it's threatening to anyway. And you can actually you can actually run prompts with AI to get pretty much whatever information that it is that you're looking for. I actually want to upload the Roman Catechism, the Catechism of the Council of Trent, and have AI build its projections for what the world should be. Because AI, in that particular sense, would be capable of sounding like a priest. And a good priest. Even with all the other stuff that's going on in the world, AI would be able to actually, like, you could, you could upload the Roman Catechism, and you could get some really good homilies. Upload the writings of the saints, and you might, like, legit you'd actually I say this tongue in cheek so don't go apoplectic on me please but you could create a digital pope not an anti-pope a digital pope one that's actually faithful to the teachings 
be very interesting indeed. We're at that precipice. The AI is going to get to a point where it's going to be the image of the beast. Let me say that again. Artificial intelligence is eventually going to develop to the point where it is going to be the image of the beast in St. John's Apocalypse. <clears throat> it bothers me to no end, by the way. Key words that were in this article that really piss me off. The evolution of artificial intelligence systems. First off, it's not evolution. Okay? These systems are not evolving. They're being programmed. To use the word evolution in this sense is a misnomer. You could say the development. AI is being programmed. It is the opposite of evolution. It is, in fact, the proof... This would be so the the development and programming of artificial intelligence, when it does actually get to that crazy chaotic point, is going to the, be the proof of God's existence. Because nothing from AI evolved. These were inputs. They were done by trial and error by people. But these were these are programs. These are designs. This is a machine designed with a particular intent by an intelligence that is not the machine. That is the proof of God's existence, and, and it, is a, it is the proof of creation. The idea that you would use the word evolution for something like this drives me nuts to no end. And then the other word rhymes with evolution revolution and it bothers me to no end that the pope is spouting this word out of his mouth i mean don't get me wrong it doesn't surprise me it's not shocking but it is aggravating that's why as soon as i read the sentence and i like i got to the certain point and i was like oh uh, he does love his revolutions yes of course he does <clears throat> We're getting there, is kind of the point of this episode. And we're getting there quickly. We're lining it all up. I am reasonably certain that the development of artificial intelligence, not just the development of artificial intelligence, because remember, at the same time that we're developing artificial intelligence, we're also building robots. Robots that can, that can give, can render human expressions. And it's the good guys and the bad guys who are doing this. You have guys like Boston Dynamics that are developing robots for robots for uh, military applications. And then you have guys like Elon Musk over at Tesla trying to develop assistance, a manservant. And I'm going to tell you right now, if he manages to build that thing to where, it's, to where he gets it adequate, I'm going to buy one because I live alone and I could use a manservant around the house. Because I hate doing chores and I would much rather pass that off to an actual robot and so at the same time we're 
we're we're just getting to that point. I, I I just I feel like I need to stop there. Do I think it's going to be here in the next couple of years? Honestly, I don't know. I really didn't think we were going to get Chat GPT 3.5. Like Chat GPT Chat GPT 3.5. Before they lobotomized it and made it a left, uh, and basically made it a Pope Francis, um, you know, a leftist activist. Chat GPT 3.5 was terrifying. It was actually the one that uh, I looked at that was like, if I could input the Roman Catechism, like you put the PDF and have it pull and have it read the text, and then have it. You know, pull a sec, pull a section of of sacred scripture. You know, Dewey Ram, pull a section of sacred scripture, and then have it write a homily. Have it develop. I mean, I'm I'm not even joking. If you know, you take that, you take like the spiritual exercises by Saint Ignatius of Loyola. You take um, the yeah the Roman Catechism, spiritual exercises, and you know, and the Dewey Ram's Bible. And you plug all of that in and have it interpolate and, 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 and all that other stuff. Have it, you know, maybe have it read um, The Inner Castle or Dark Night of the Soul, The Imitation of Christ. Like you take about five or six really tr- like great books written by amazing saints. You know, St. Augustine's Confessions have it, and have it sort of put the whole thing together and then basically have it be a digital spiritual director. I bet it could, I bet it could do it. Certainly be better than some of the spiritual direction you get from some priests, you know, vis-a-vis Father James Martin or Father Rupnik or Uncle Ted. we're getting there we're kind of getting to that point and it's it's enough to wake you up in the morning i'll say that it's enough to get your attention if you're paying attention i mean admittedly you got to be prone to paying attention i'd say it's getting scary i'm not scared of what's coming The only thing I'm afraid of with everything that's approaching is messing around and not being in a state of grace when it's time for me to kick the bucket and not getting an opportunity to be a martyr when I die so as to wash away that nonsense. That's the only thing that scares me about what's coming. I look at what's coming and I go, wow, that's creepy. Ooh, that's that's no bueno. And that's about the furthest extent of the emotional involvement I get in the whole thing. So it's scary from an intellectual level where we're going. But if you're in a state of grace, it's really not scary at all. It's just, oh, scripture wrote about it. I had a discussion with someone on X. And I'll call it X. They reflagged it. Whatever. That's cool. <clears throat> I had a discussion with someone on X. And they 
Hey, look at that. Found it. They said, and I'm quoting, God providentially guides all of history so that the church will never defect, and so the church does not operate like any like an ordinary institution. I responded to that by saying and yet Cardinal Rampola is in Pope Francis's episcopal lineage. And for those of you who don't know, Cardinal Rampola was a thelemite. If you've never heard the term if you've never heard the term thelemite, he was a member of the Ordo Templi Orientis a Freemasonic faction um, that was heavily developed by Aleister Crowley. The Aleister Crowley. And if it wasn't for Emperor Franz Josef, Cardinal Rampola would have been Pope instead of Pope St. Pius X. A Monsignor went to Emperor went to the, the Holy Roman Emperor and told him that Cardinal Rampola was in was currently in the conclave, that he was being floated about as as possibly becoming the Pope, and that he was a Freemason. And not just a Freemason, but a member of the Ordo Templi Orientis. Franz Josef was <clears throat> Emperor uh, his Royal Highness? What did I don't know what you call I don't know what you call an emperor. Highness is, highness and majesty, majesty, whatever. Anyway, he told the emperor everything. And while the emperor was not keen on the fact that he had the right to veto the election of someone to the pope, to the papacy, he also simultaneously felt that he could not, not. And so he sent his interdiction to Rome and stopped Cardinal Mariano Rampola from becoming Pope. But I don't know if people noticed. Because the person I was having the discussion with seems to be of the opinion that God is going to put his, his supernatural hand in the way to protect a church that every major player in the last 200 years, 400 years, 600 years, where they have all said that, that Holy Mother Church must go through her passion, and that includes, basically, Rome losing the faith. The Blessed Mother comes in and says, Rome will lose the faith. We are all talking about a time of great apostasy. And you think, in the time of great apostasy, that God is not going to put a Satanist in the papacy? Would that not be the final test? Would that not be the test? 
Now, from a spiritual standpoint, that means the Satanist isn't Pope. But we could talk about the spiritual standpoint until the cows come home, and it's not going to make a lick of difference because the practical, the praxis of day-to-day -day life is going to be embedded in the fact that the devil has put his man on the throne of St. Peter. And if you don't think that's going to happen, reread St. John's Apocalypse because it is clearly written. And when I say clearly written, <clears throat> maybe actually read the commentaries. Because in the commentaries, by, all, by many of the greatest saints, in the commentaries, it says at some point, the false prophet is going to be a bishop. Probably the Pope. And, it, and I saw an angel cast down, or excuse me, and I saw a star cast out of heaven. I think it was an angel cast out of heaven. And it had the key to the abyss. And it opened the abyss. The only person on earth who has that key is St. Peter. So what is St. Peter going to, like, <laughs> what is the Pope, the successor of St. Peter, going to do to open the abyss? And who does the Pope have to be if he is the one opening the abyss? And I saw a beast that had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. There are many people, many people, many great saints and theologians who believe that that passage right there, I saw, and I saw the beast that had two horns like a lamb, that the two horns actually are direct reference to the bishop's mitre. And that this beast is the false prophet, and that the false prophet is going to sit on the throne of St. Peter. Put it together. St. John's Apocalypse clearly says that at some point, just before Christ arrives, at the time in the age of the Antichrist, that the Pope is going to be is not going to be the Pope, he's going to be anti-Pope. Because he's going to be the false prophet. Anybody who believes that we are somehow immune, and, and by the way, and I say this specifically to Sativacontis because they are the most slap happy about this. They're far more than any of the pap than any of the Pope's planers. The Pope's planers, you want to slap the daylights out of them because they refuse to see that which is written clearly in front of their faces. But the set of the contests seem to be of the understanding that when that at the, that the apocalypse is wrong. And a third of the stars were scooped out, and, and with its tail, it scooped, it scooped a third of the stars and cast them down to the earth. That is a false doctrine, scooping up bishops and priests and stripping them of their faith, casting them down to the earth, where they lose, where they lose their supernatural faith due to a false doctrine, because that's what the tail actually means, is when something's done with the tail, it's a lie. It's a lie that has that effect. 
It is in sacred scripture that the church is going to go through this. It is in sacred scripture. And these are not my interpretations. I had to do a lot of studying of a lot of, of, a lot of words of a lot of people who were significantly smarter about this than I am. This is not me saying it. I mean, it is me saying it because this is, of course, my podcast. But if you want the proof, I can direct you. You can act, shoot me an email. I will send you the links to the videos where these things are talked about. I'll give you a whole list. I got a list of like 17 videos where the priest actually goes through line by line and talks about it. And makes the description. Hey, this is what this is talking about. This is what this theologian says. This is what that theologian says. This is what these collection of theologians say. This is what the scholastics say. This is what the early desert fathers say. This is what the early popes taught. This is common knowledge in the church up until the 1800s. Boom, this right here. These are not my words. What I'm relaying to you is not stuff that I'm making up out of thin air. This is stuff that smarter people than me have given to me. I just kind of wish they didn't do it anonymously. (laughs) But, I mean, you you recognize some of the voices when you're listening to the videos. Guarantee that. Are we at the end times? I don't know. On the one hand, I look and I go, oh, it's definitely happening in the next 10 to 15 years. On the other hand, I look and I go, well, this might not happen for another thousand years. I got finished with Dr. Taylor Marshall's book on on, uh, Antichrist and the Apocalypse, um, which is a great book. And there were a couple of points in there where I looked and I go, man, that's probably 100 years away. It's at least a couple of people's lifetimes away. You know, maybe 20, 40 years. I might see it and still be alive, but I don't think we're but I don't think we're anywhere near there yet. And then there's a few other things where I look at it and go, oh no, that's like tomorrow. That already happened last week. That's been happening for the last 10 years. The ben- that benchmark could be put all the way back in 1917. It's hard to say. So, I've committed myself to living my life as though the world is going to end in 2033. Will it? I don't know. What do I look like, God? I don't nearly have the sound of a, you know, when I speak, you don't have trumpets and thunders going on. So it's definitely not me who's making these choices. But if I live as though we're crossing into 2024 and Marie-Julie Jehenny's prophecies are about to come true, particularly with Ukraine and Russia and um, the Russian invasion of, of Western Europe tied in with the Muslim invasion that we already know is actually happening in Western Europe. Then I can see in the next three to five years that maybe we actually, maybe... Maybe Ferdinand Habsburg gets put back in place. Like a lot of people forget, the Holy Roman Emperor is alive. The rightful emperor 
is alive right now. He drives race cars. The Catholic, the great Catholic king could be a Formula One racer right now. Because he is destined to be head of the household. The great Catholic monarch very well could be Henry Sixtus de Bourbon. The, Bo the Spanish Bourbon king. The great Catholic monarch could be the descendant in France of Louis the Seventeenth. Distinctively, distinctively possible, he's alive. <clears throat> Those are the three most likely. And like I said, Ferdinand, <clears throat> His Royal Highness, Ferdinand is alive. The rightful king, Henry, of Spain, is alive. The only one missing is the one is the one in France, and that's the one that we don't know about. But it's also distinctively possible that the Duke of Anjou, who is alive, is actually supposed to be the Dauphin. And for the record, all three of the men that I named are, well, I mean, Ferdinand, I'm sure he's practicing because his whole family is Catholic, very Catholic, <clears throat> but he is a Formula One racer, so <laughs> he's a race car driver for crying. I mean, that man, is that not the cool, like, legit, like, everybody thought Commodus was cool for getting into the gladiatory games. Ferdinand is a Formula One race car driver. You can tell me that's not cool. There's three Catholic monarchs that I just named. This could be the time of the Antichrist. Antichrist might be another five years away. Antichrist's reign is only supposed to be seven years. So if the world is ending in 2033, then in 2026, we will know who the Antichrist is. More accurately, the Antichrist will be on the scene. We'll probably still be speculating. We won't know for sure just yet. But 2026 is still a few is still a couple of years away. And in those couple of years, America could be wiped off the map. We certainly we certainly seem to be asking for it. People are looking people read St. John's Apocalypse and they're like, "Oh, that could never. We're nowhere near that." Are we not? It is my concerted opinion that AI is one of the last things we need. Truly one of the last things we need. To make the image of the beast speak, 
its own words? Yeah, AI is pretty much it. Because we've got the talking images now. We've had the talking images for almost 100 years now. It's called television. All we need is something that can speak of its own volition. So, if you had Pope Francis and AI on your bingo card for this year or next year, go ahead and put your chip on there. <laughs> and if you get bingo, I hope it brings you good things. You know, like into our Lord's kingdom. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen.